0: From Relay FM. this is The Pen Addict, episode 417. Welcome to July. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet and Harry's. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy.
1: Why do you do that to me? Hello, Mike Hurley. Well, mentioning July? <laughs> well, no, make me giggle before I have to say, hey, Mike, how's it going? It's like all I could do to hold my breath while you finish the intro because you made me giggle, so thanks for that.
0: Get, yeah, keep getting us off to
1: a, a roaring start of what should be a roaring episode. It, we've
0: got some, like, really, like, basically, if you would have said to me last week, plan out next week's episode, mm-hmm. just guess what could happen, <laughs> mm-hmm. the four topics we have to talk about today, well, three, the three top main topics we have to talk about today, I never could have guessed them. I ne- like, <laughs> I could have just kept going and going and going, and I never would have landed on J'erban candles, a new Lamy dialogue, and Sailor potentially being sold. So that is what's coming up on today's episode. Uh, it's, it's a rip-roaring good time here on The Pen Attic.
1: Well, let's light these candles, Mike, and All right. set the mood. Okay. Um, how many of these Jacques Herbin candles J-J- are you Jacques going to be ordering? Uh, cuz I'm not I'm not going to lie Mike, I am in. I right. I am totally in.
0: What? Okay. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? What are they doing? Uh, what is this? Can you explain this to me?
1: Uh, no, I cannot explain it to you. That's why we're discussing it because Jay Herban has made <laughs> I guess ink scented candles, even though yeah, it's so, not ink scented candles, but they're to match inks, right? right?
0: Let me just just again like I mentioned, <laughs> right? So, uh Jay Herban, the Ink company, pen company, mostly known as an ink company, I think. They Tell have us. a fancy line called yes. the Jacques Urban line. You know, we've seen this before, like uh, Graf von Faber-Castell. It's basically creating a prestige line uh, where they use the full names of, uh, <laughs> the com- of the people that started the companies. So they have created four inks that have matching candles. You can buy the ink and candle sets together, or you can buy the candles on their own. Mm. And I don't (laughs) understand this unless the ink smells the same. Otherwise, I don't know how you are pairing a color and a Mm. smell.
1: So let let me try to do this. Uh, correctly, Mike, and let Jacques Herban explain to you why this is a good idea. So So this is Jacques
0: on the show today.
1: Yeah, Jacques is going to come on. Uh, Yeah, we're going to get so many emails about pronunciation on this one, but I don't even care. So this is from the Bleu Plentitude set, okay? This is the ink and candle set. This is the description. Bleu Plentitude evokes scents with a musky dominance of green herbs, orange blossom, and barely cut hay. This aroma invites wait. us to relax. <laughs> wait,
0: wait, hold on a minute. You
1: have a problem with barely cut hay,
0: Mike? <laughs> what is the smell of barely cut hay? How does it differ different to like differ to non-cut hay and completely cut hay? It's the same as a freshly mown lawn, Michael. Well, no, no, I, no, 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 no. Right. Okay, so I'll understand <laughs> that. But we're saying barely cut. Why not cut? <laughs> that's my issue
1: right there like, is I know no such that, like, thing as barely cut hay it should really? be freshly cut well mm-hmm. you either cut hay all of it or none that's of what it. i'm saying yeah we're yes. in agreement here right you either yes. cut it
0: or you don't cut it I, like did mm-hmm. i just like get halfway like oh stop <laughs> that's a different well, smell now that's how a... you
1: get to blue plentitude mike Sometimes this aroma
0: people try too hard with marketing messages
1: Well, let me continue. Let me continue. This aroma invites us to relax and meditate at the twilight of the day, Mm -hmm. when the sky is adorned with dark reflections.
0: Everything else in this, I'm fine with because it's like I know what you're. You're trying to paint the picture of buy this candle, it will make you feel better. (laughs) But like barely cut hay. While I don't know what you. I mean, I guess you know these are interesting. I guess you could say it's like a journaling set, wherein like you have that's the idea. And the candle, and you light the candle and and write your journal, right? Like, I get that. Um, (laughs) Okay, here's
1: a good one for you. (laughs) Noir inspiration takes us on a nocturnal sensory walk with woody scents smoked with round tobacco. What's that? and And a subtle union of moss and vetiver. This aroma calls us to escape and daydream as the night gets darker and
0: deeper. Okay, so round tobacco <laughs> googling is nothing. So round tobacco yeah. is nothing. I'm now keen if every single one of these has one of these. Yeah. So we have to, delicate yeah. lime tree scents in mm. in the Ambra insurances. So del- only delicate lime trees. No harsh. Mm. No uh, bold no lime trees. Yeah. Here. Bold. Mm-hmm. Smoked honeyed tea. In the next Smoked one. Smoked honey honeyed tea. tea. Mm. sublimated okay. by neroli and vetiver. So this every is single one job of these, to write this stuff. <laughs> yeah, see they followed a pattern where mm. the 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 one of the items has to be described. Like mm-hmm. they have to put some kind of is it adjective it's mad, it's I, never, mad lives. I can it's never mad lives. remember the adge- difference between adjectives nouns verbs and I'm terrible yeah. with that. These are but adjectives mostly. They're using an unnecessary adjective in this uh, look This is a great holiday gift, which is like surprising to me to see it be in the summer. But like, this Mm -hmm. kind of thing is like awesome. You know that you've got someone in your life who likes journaling. Look how thoughtful I am. Here's a bottle of ink and a matching (laughs) candle for the journaling. Like, you think I'm making fun here. I am being deadly serious. Like, I think I want one. I'm getting one. Super interesting, but I really want to know how the ink and the smell tie together, because at Mm. the moment, the only thing that's tying them together is they print the label on the candle in the same color as the ink.
1: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, and the ink doesn't look like it's scented. Um, And yeah, I guess these are new colors of ink as well. I don't think these are are the proper lineup unless they've been in the Jacques Herbin lineup. They have not been in the J Herbin Uh, lineup before so I don't know I'm just fascinated by this whole thing I appreciate our friend Sarah Bijoual sending me this link because it kind of blew my mind when I saw this
0: look Um, companies are gonna company right like that's just you know they're gonna do their thing and so I I think the product itself like the, the idea of putting these in a nice box and selling it I get that selling the candles on their own seems peculiar even more peculiar to me right like buying scented candles from the pen company like I don't know who's doing that but like as a set it's it makes sense to me but sometimes people just gotta you don't have to tone down the marketing that's not why i'm asking right mm-hmm. but base it in reality that's <laughs> that's what i like so everything except like giving these weird adjectives which which like round tobacco i'm really keen for someone to try and tell me what that means because google mm. just gives me results for round tobacco tins
1: yeah, and these are not translated, right? This is written in in English. We're not translating the site like through Google <laughs> Translator. Possibly
0: the harshest burn you could have given. <laughs> You know when we speak nonsense because they've been terribly translated. No, it's not that. It's not that. I want to move straight on though, because I watched a YouTube video this morning that I (laughs) can't—a set of YouTube videos that Mm. I am really intrigued about and cannot get my head around. And it is—I would say two and a half Lamy products. Um, They have two new products and one. Mm -hmm older product that they've just it's just got the limited edition version for the year, right? Yeah. So, we have the Dialog CC, which is a what looks like a completely new version of an existing pen. Mhm. Which is the Dialog was Lamy's Vanishing Point. Correct. Right, it is Lamy's retractable nib fountain pen. And they have recreated it in a selection of colors. I think it's blue and white, but they have different uh, metal accents. I think, actually, I think they both have rose gold accents, right? It looks Correct. like, whether white or blue, which, by the way, the blue and rose gold. Oh my God. Um, uh, yeah. And so they have created a twist retractable fountain pen which which is has, what the dialogue has always been. Yep, but they've but they've rech- they've changed the design. They've put like a roll stop on it. They've refined a lot of the design. I think I'm spotting in these selection of pens a new Lamy design language. Okay. I don't wonder if you agree with me, which is these like imperfect circles that Okay. Right? You see like at the edge of the pen, there's like a circle like the very so the very like the the butt end of the pen. It has yes. like a circle, but it's not flat. Right? Yeah, it's
1: like a, I, the best description I, from the side, it's kind of wavy even though that's not the, yeah. the the term I'm looking for, but it's it's kind of got that motion to it, right? All
0: of these links should be in the show notes. You kind of have to watch these YouTube videos to have any idea what we're talking about. But the, the upper pen, the Idios, the body mm-hmm. of the pen is circular except it has a, cor- a squared corner, right? Like yes. a rounded square corner. Mm-hmm. Now, these are two new products that have these kinds of motifs to them. This seems like someone is doing something new with product design at Lamy,
1: right? I feel like it's a continuation. I'm not seeing any any separation or any change in direction, which is why I wanted to hmm. lump all these things together. See, I, I, I think, I see think what you
0: disagree on this one.
1: Maybe, because I, I agree with you on the dialogue, CC. Now, I watched that video with the with the Twitch chat last week probably 10 times. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't stop watching that video. It's a fascinating video. And you know, it's like every time you pick up something new and you're trying to figure out what is actually happening with the design of this pen in relation to the previous dialogue, which is called the Dialogue 3. It's pretty different. I'm guessing the internal mechanisms are the same, but we'll have to wait and see when I get that, which means the diameter is probably about the same, which has always been kind of the biggest gotcha with the dialogue. It's a very wide barrel pen. It looks like they want to slim down the idea of the dialogue, maybe make it not so large and imposing. It's It's a big imposing pen. And then by the time you... Um, extend the nib it just gets even even bigger and i'm i think they're trying to streamline that a little bit in the design of the end of the pen i think is something different than what they've done in the past like that i'm i'm buying what you're selling me there Because
0: i think that the idios for me it does not look like a Lamy pen like
1: See that's that's where we have a big disagreement. Mm-hmm. I think it is traditionally bad Lamy try too hard design. Oh, I don't the like the is. design. Let me yeah.
0: just say that, but I think but I don't think it looks like Lamy's other pens. It may mm-hmm. but I think we can agree on this is when they miss the mark.
1: Yes. The the idios should not exist in my version of Lamy because they've tried and failed this version many, many times. Well it's before. just like
0: a another try at the studio, which I don't think sells very well for them anyway. Well the studio,
1: I, I will disagree on that. I think the studio is a good pen. Like so we put in a link to the studio limited edition um Yeah, I mean I'm not saying it's a very it's pretty bad. color. I
0: just think in the lineup of Lamy pens, I don't think the studio gets the attention that that Lamy would like it to get.
1: Because they don't lean into it enough while mm. trying to do things like the Lamy Ion or the Lamy Idios, or every other Lami oh, I forgot about that's, that ion. that's in the like the seventy-five to one hundred twenty-five dollar price range fights against the studio when they're never gonna beat the studio. The studio is the best pen there that they do. And it's not close, in my opinion. Like, I like the ION fine. I would recommend the studio every time over mm. the ION. You know, I, the Idios is just another one of those shots that they take where, okay, we're going to tweak our traditional Lamy metal pen design and introduce the new one. And it just continues to be uninspired, I think. Yeah. So I don't find the Idios to fall into... Any new design language, I actually find it to fall in line with everything that they've tried to make happen in the past that has not lasted. There's something about
0: the the industrial design of the Dialogue and the Idios, which Mm -hmm. to me look different to other Lamy pens. But I am agreeing with you that this pen falls into the same spot in the lineup that Lamy have tried mm-hmm. and failed at multiple times to make something work. But I just think that there is a visual design to both the dialogue and the idios, which I can see some links between, which to mm-hmm. me do not look like other Lamy pens. Yeah, I mean, you have
1: to look at the Lamy Scala and the Lamy... Um, oh gosh, I just went blank on the name. Uh, Imperium as in the their high-end version of the Idios, it's the Idios with the gold nib pens, and they just haven't really hit a home run with any of these. Like, no. they've, they're all fine pens. They're all perfectly fine pens. But I'm waiting for that Lamy knockout blow that's not the 2000 or the Safaris, you know, and, mm. you know, I'm including the All-Stars in there too, you know, the molded grip pens. Like, they, they have the ability to create that amazing pen between like 75 and $200 besides the 2000 and they just keep making the Lamy Ideos every time. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same same thing every year. Now, the Dialog CC, I, 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 I do grant that the CC is interesting, and I will try to pick one of those up. I think they're coming out sep- in September.
0: Yeah, I'm they, very, um, very intrigued about this, but I will say... I wonder if the roll stop is going to give me the exact same problem that every mm-hmm. other retractable pen has. Right. Why do they need to put them on the nib end?
1: Yeah, we discussed that. And in this, if that's the design they're going for, they don't. And I don't understand why they did that. And I also am not sure that it's going to work as a roll stopper being on the front end of the pen as opposed to the center as well, mm-hmm. as if it were more centered towards the middle of the pen. It's almost like you're asking for trouble setting it there, and I, I'm a little bit concerned just technically how that's going to work but before you even grip it and then it gets in your way.
0: Yeah, and I think it probably would. So I will not buy one of these, but I desperately mm-hmm. want to try one. Yeah. It looks like they have a new nib design. Uh, which I think is quite attractive.
1: On the Dialogue? Yeah. Uh, I'll have to pull it back up. I can't it's pull at up least, the video while we're streaming. But it at that's least how, I think that's how my...
0: a strip of the rose gold color on it. But in the video, it kind of looked like a different shape to the typical mm. London. I'll nib. have
1: to look. The Dialogue 3 has that kind of racing stripe. Right, gold it might be nib the same design. So, yeah, it looked kind of the same. What it
0: really reminded me of, that nib, was the Mont Blanc M. Mm-hmm that that was very uh, exactly exactly
1: so I don't know and the other thing that caught me was how the, the Lamy makes really good product videos I think um, they're fun. At least the the Idios video was a real outlier compared to the the dialogue in the studio. It's they were like, aggressive. they like really went for it with that video. I was like, what is happening here? And and oh, I I see why because I really don't want this pen. Right. <laughs> so show me all the flashbang than the actual pen. So it, it's it's gonna be interesting. Um, the dialogue i'm sure is going to run in that 300 price range that's another kicker for that model of pen the the, the dialogue threes were like in that 280 325 range and i think these are going to be in that same ballpark so it's it's a tough sell like i at least like that they're trying with with the dialogue um i just i will never understand the the idios or idios however you want to say it um on why they keep doing that, they keep making that thing, and like, I'll probably get one and review one and say it's like completely fine, but I just don't understand why it has to exist, and as opposed to like trying something really, really different and really pushing, you know, the the Lamy brand, other than just adding in the another pen that a year from now we'll have to say, and we line it up with all these other pens. Like, what was the name of this one again? That's exactly where this one's gonna fall, in my opinion.
0: Mm. So you got your weird Twisby Go syringe, huh?
1: <laughs> I had to bring this up. So I got it. Um, shout out to uh, Claire, who helped me order this from, I don't know, wherever we ordered, AliExpress. And I'm pretty impressed with the build quality of this thing. It's like It was like $10. It took us about two months to get it. Can you hear that? I hate it. <laughs> that's the, the plunger is this spring-loaded plunger. And we talked about this on um, a previous episode of the show. That's this. It's basically the Twisby Go syringe. And for 10 bucks, if this thing works, Mike, I'm all in. Like, I'll have to get another one because I'll, I'll worry about breaking this one. It's a, a one-is-none theory. But I think this is pretty cool. Um, people will be asking me about it. So I wanted to put another another link in the show notes as I drop it on the floor. Um, because they 're going to see it, and I want to be able to link to it and I think if this works, I should get you one too. I think you might I think you might like this it 's like mm. a little contraption that I think you might dig
0: to fill the cartridges i don't want to fill ah. <laughs> right? like, I mean yeah, I mean it looks like a fun little thing, but i don't know what my personal use case would be for it, but maybe to to fill up a dropper or something at some point could be cool I see guess.
1: i think this is i think this is everyone's personal use case just like a nasal aspirator is you don't think you need one but it makes
0: I have, your experience I better own one and have used it many times so mm-hmm. I, will mm-hmm. I will see you right on that one
1: yeah yeah so i i think it's pretty cool especially for for the price so i want to they're actually pretty hard to find like i was just googling the name I had to go back into our show doc to find the original link where we linked to it to find anything on the internet that I could link to again. It's Hmm. hard to search. So that's why I wanted to put it in there. Say that I got it and I'll be testing it out and I'll let y'all know how it is. You may want to see what I think about it before you go ordering and waiting two months for it. But um, I'll test it out this week and let everyone know.
0: Alright, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Pen Chalet. They are the company that have your favorite brands like Pelican and Lamy, Sailor, Kaweco, Pilot, and many, many more. They're an authorized dealer and they bring you the products you're looking for. Whether you want a new rollerball or a new fountain pen, maybe you want a new mechanical pencil, maybe you're looking for some ink, some converters, maybe you want a pen carrying case or some storage stuff. No matter what it is that you're looking for, Pen Chalet have got it. They back it up with very fast and reliable customer service. They run Special discounts twice a month, including closeout specials every two weeks, and they have free shipping on orders of over fifty dollars in the United States. And they sell internationally as well with very reasonable shipping rates. Penshale has low prices on high quality pens and offer a one hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. So go to penshale.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website. Enter the password penaddict for this week's special offer and to get the code that you need to save ten percent any on anything at any time at Penshale la so brad what have uh was caught your eye at this time
1: ron has two very expensive pens on here that are two of my favorite pens that i've reviewed in the montegrappa mia 450 and the aurora optima those are you know traditionally you know quite expensive pens you like make no qualms about it that are at prices especially the mia i don't own one i got to i got one on loan because it was so expensive to review it and i kind of fell in love with it but i had to send it back because i didn't want to pay for it because it's very expensive and this is like half price of what it would normally go for and We'll have to link my review in the show notes. I did the orange one. There was three different. There were several different colors. It might have been like five total colors. Ron still has like the black, the red, and the yellow left. And the neat thing about these is they have sterling silver trim, which I was concerned about the price of this pen. Like you'll see all throughout the review I did of the Mia. It's like, how are they justifying this price of this pen? And then I realized everything that went into it and what all the parts are made of and what all the hardware is made of. And I was like, oh, OK, I get it. It's like I can't I don't want to spend the money on this now. And um, looking at this price has me. At least doing a doing a double take and same same for the optimum, which, which I think is one of the best all around good writing pens like that's your big time upgrade pen. You know, if you're making a step up from, you know, like the Lamy 2000, like we talk about, and the the Aurora Optima is like the step up from there. It's a piston filler. It's great celluloids. It's really, really pretty. And it just feels and functions exceptionally well. Very, very high quality pen and that I love very nice. much. So, yeah, really good stuff.
0: So once again, go to penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website. Use the password pen addict to get your hands on these special deals or the 10% code on anything at Pen Chalet. Our thanks to Penchalet for their support of this show and Relay FM.
1: Ooh boy. You ready for this? Hmm.
0: Straight up, we are not going to do as good a job discussing this as the guys over at the Tokyo Inklings <laughs> podcast did. Which is where we're not only getting this information, but taking all of their information and talking about it ourselves. So we, I actually really, really thoroughly recommend that people go and listen to Emergency Episode Number One. Sailor Plus is the <laughs> name, and I'll put a link in the show notes.
1: So we're obviously going to talk about the possibility of a new ownership group for Sailor Pinco out yeah. of japan and, and as mike said our good friends cy and jacob over at tokyo inkland cy started texting me <laughs> the when he uh, or started uh, messaging me when they were about to release this show and he's like hey did you see all this we got an episode coming out and i was like no i hadn't heard of that so he really hooked me up with some links and stuff to to read more about it and i implore you like you can if you want to know more about what mike and i are about to discuss stop right now go listen to their show it's about 20 low 20 minutes 22 minutes long where they just take this topic and being in the japanese market and able to read all of sailors press releases and all of uh the the goings on of all the financial implications, which Jacob did a fantastic job breaking down. Like he has a financial background where I think works in finance. So he was able to break some of this down, listen to them. And then we'll kind of talk about it in our own way and, and how we feel about what is happening here. So the short version, and then we can elaborate on all the ins and outs of this Mike, is that a company called plus out of Japan, um, um, is, was already a 14% shareholder of Sailor.
0: Plus is a, a big stationery and office supply company. Yeah, so they remind... I don't think has a massive uh, foothold outside of Japan, um, or at least is not a like an, a, a name brand that I was familiar with. Um, they do have an outside of Japan presence, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think that... that we're really that familiar, you know. It, honestly, you could have bought stuff from them if you've bought from the like quote unquote Japanese stationery aisle or like the Japanese right. stationery and jet pens, for example. Maybe this, I don't know, but maybe plus do some supply for that kind of stuff. But it's mm-hmm. it's those kinds of ideas, right? The nice little gadgets, the cute little paper clips, that kind of idea.
1: Mm-hmm. But their main business, which Is kind of like when we talked about Kokuyo buying Pentel, is really the office as a whole, right? They're an office supply company, not an office supplies company, right? Mm -hmm. And that's big business. So, plus their annual sales in 2019 was 186.6 billion yen. That translates to 1.7 billion US dollars. So, that was plus as a company. Sailor's 2019 annual sales was 5.3 billion yen or $49 million. So you yep. can see the the size difference. And Plus owned 14, a 14% stake of Sailor previous to this. And so,
0: they did the uh, Cherry Blossom Pro Gear that we spoke about a very number of weeks one. ago. Uh, that was a Plus limited edition
1: with Sailor. Exactly, exactly. So what sailor did and sailors had other financial troubles in the past. It was a few years ago. I want to say 2016, 26, 17. I couldn't find my article links that I saved, but they were close to having to sell back in, you know, several years ago or do something drastic to, to continue the, the company going. So this is not a new thing for sailor as far as, you know, kind of being on the edge of sustainability. <clears throat> so, what they did was issued convertible bonds. And as Jacob explained, what these convertible b- bonds do are a way to pay down some of their debt by issuing these bonds and having another party essentially purchase these bonds, which is what PLUS did. And these bonds are able to be converted into stock of the sailor company. If PLUS, the amount of bonds that PLUS purchased if executed would give them a 50% 57% ownership stake in Sailor which would give them control of the company. So that's what's interesting about this whole thing is Sailor could essentially have a new owner if these convertible bonds get executed. So almost certainly this is going to happen I would think. Plus already has a stake in the company. Plus invested more in Sailor to buy out some of their debt with an option to have a bigger ownership stake. And they already have an agreement with Sailor in place before this to use Plus's new sales subsidiary, which is called Chorus, for all of Sailor's sales work in Japan. So all of the I don't know, sales, promotion, distribution, logistics in Japan for Sailor Company will now be going through one of Plus's subsidiaries. So Plus is essentially kind of like a conglomerate. They have 17 different subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. One of them is a stationary company that makes Apica notebooks, you know, the Apica notebooks that I love. It's called Nippon Notebook Com- Com- Um, you know, and they have... Plus also has, like you mentioned a second ago, they have offices all over the world, right? They have a presence in the U S they have a presence in Europe. You know, they're in Germany, they're in Portland, uh, Beaverton, Oregon, um, home of Nike. So they're here in the U S they're all over the world. They're highly invested in a lot of different manufacturing distribution and logistics areas. So Why do they want to buy Sailor? I think that's the biggest question. Or why do they want to take ownership control of Sailor? Um, Do you have any thoughts on this before I kind of give my thoughts?
0: I want to underscore a point and make it super clear. So at the moment, they've just bought a higher percentage of the company, right? They've invested to acquire like a higher percentage of the company, Mm-hmm. But these in these bonds, but they have the ability and the way that Jacob kind of explained it. And I'm going to try and explain his explanation, which I'm sure won't go well for anybody is effective. Like the way that this they, they can convert these bonds into an ownership. So they pump them with money and then they can just say, like, oh, now we want to turn it into our ownership percentage. And if they then do that, they own the majority share, which effectively means they control the company. Um, this is like a friendly takeover rather than a hostile takeover. Like a hostile takeover, right? You just buy as much of the company until you own enough of it that you can make the rules, right? And, and usually in a secondary way, this, yeah. this being a direct way. But this is like a similar idea where it's like they are not, quote unquote, acquiring the company, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where you say to a company, how much? Right, like they are, they would effectively just be buying so, or like they have put in enough money, which they can choose to to switch over to, uh, like they can convert these bonds into ownership shares, and they will if they do that. Which is, I wouldn't understand why they wouldn't do that, as Jacob explained. Like the way mm-hmm. that the bonds are written, it is written to do this. Like to not right. do this would be a very peculiar move, right? Like to put the money into this type of convertible bonds without converting them would be kind, almost like a, a waste of the money in the first place. Then. Right, right. You do this, you would do this to to take it to the full step, but maybe they just can't or, or want to slow it down or whatever. There's a, there's a reason that they would do it this mm-hmm. way. But by that point, if you own 57% of the company, you can effectively control the company because right. you get to approve or deny any vote.
1: Yeah, your votes now
0: outweigh yeah. any other ownership yeah. group. So it's not an acquisition of Sailor. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a takeover of Sailor, effectively. Mm-hmm. But as mm-hmm. I say, not ho- in a hostile way as these right. things tend to go like if if the company's just another company's muscling in and buying up like a large percentage of a company usually mm-hmm. they're doing it against the will of the or very Which frequently what, doing it against the will of the originating company but that's not doesn't seem to be what's happening here at all yeah
1: that was the kukuyo pentel relationship it was a hostile yep. takeover like yep. Kikuyo was just trying to uh suck up as much many shares to to meet the meet the voting percentage that they needed to take and over like, the company
0: let's be real right like Like... I would expect that most hostile takeovers start with a conversation like this one which relates in what's happened here Mm -hmm. where companies like we would like to buy enough shares in you to own you company A says we will not allow you to do that so company B (laughs) says okay (laughs) right and then just find another way yeah like well now we're gonna overpay so you will be stupid to say no or we're gonna Mm -hmm. like just buy these up from people that are willing to sell them etc etc but I've tried to give my layman's understanding and explanation Explanation Of what is going on here because I just think it's important to set the stage of like this seems to be all parties want this to occur for some reason, right? So,
1: uh, and plus was already yeah. the number the top investor ownership of Sailor at they had 14% of yeah. Sailor stock, that was most of any ownership group. Yeah, so they were like they majority were shareholder,
0: but did not mm-hmm. own the majority of the shares, but they were the l- single largest shareholder.
1: mm-hmm <laughs> So I was looking at this on why Plus would want to do this, and it seems to just kind of fit their portfolio in in the grand scheme of things. They really, it's mostly office, office furniture type of a situation more than office supplies type of a situation. <laughs> like one of their main products, if you look at the U.S. subsidiaries, are those uh, security stamps. You know what I'm talking about, where you have like the roll stamp that like marks out documents and things like that. And they have the... Apica subsidiary, you know, that I mentioned before, but they don't really have any stationary subsidiary. And CY brought up a good point in the podcast that Sailor is kind of getting middled by Pilot and Platinum as, you know, one of the Japanese big three, where Pilot is a behemoth in the non-Fountain Pen category, right? With the Pilot G2 and every other you know, stationary aisle pin that they make where sailor very has very, very little of that. They have a few things here and there. And then platinum is so small that they can just kind of do whatever they want. You know, they make all these special edition pins and just do kind of fun stuff and are able to sustain it that way where sailors kind of in the middle. Now, one of the things that sailor has in its favor that I think plus is probably seeing is sailor has a robotics division which I had heard of in the past, but I never looked into existed. it. Yeah. So they make their robotics division makes medical devices and food equipment, but they also just recently designed, you'll start seeing some of this pop up some, a new style of ink cartridge for their pens, right? They made the machine that makes these, makes the fountain pen ink cartridges and things like that. And their robotics division is profitable where their fountain pen division has not been profitable over the past several years. So,
0: and you know, you may think to yourself, how, right? Because, how did I get here? Well, like, yeah, nice. But, like, we talk about sailor pens every single episode. There's always a new sailor pen, right? And everyone's buying them, and they're always selling out. Something that I had not considered, which was fascinating to me, was CY, CY made a bunch of interesting points. There's one that I want to come back to about the Rialo production. Yeah, um but, definitely. Yeah, but saying about how the small run that they do like all these limited editions whilst it makes them seem cool and people love it it cannot be a cost efficient way of doing business because they make bespoke 200 300 versions of a pen for abc pen store japan co right right there is the, the margins on those can't be enough um, and they also mentioned the idea of like having um uh, they that you know having suppliers in other countries right like that they don't get the good margins there either because mm-hmm. sailor do not have their own subsidiary in America that is their supplier. so when they sell outside of Japan they don't make as much money as they could if they had like Sailor of America, which they did have, right? But they right. don't anymore. Right. So they have to lose to the, to the supplier that they work with or change the pricing structure. So like there are a couple of things going on for them that whilst on the outside, like these limited editions, like seem cool because they always sell out, but that's not... So you mentioned like Platinum Special Editions. Mm-hmm. Platinum Special Editions are typically for general sale, which means right. they likely make way more of them. And we do see, right, like you get like the Sailor North American edition, right? Like we you know the the which are the West. They're gonna make a large order of those. They're all gonna sell out and that's gonna be great for them. But where they are probably losing money is on these really small batch pens that they do for like bung box.
1: Yeah, I think that's marketing, right? That those fall those Limited edition projects fall under the category of marketing, in my mind, because there's no way that they're impactful to Sailor's bottom line. And maybe Sailor's gone too far in setting expectations for the market on what they will do for these smaller companies when the margin was never there to begin with. It was really just more of a marketing say, hey... You know, we're sailor. We're cool. We're getting out. Here's all the cool stuff we can do. Buy our regular products, and everyone's like, nah, we'll just wait for the next limited one." <laughs> you know, so maybe, maybe that's one of the one of the reasons why that group hasn't been profitable. Who knows? Like, I, I generally don't know, but I'm agree with you that I look at those types of products that we love so much and talk about constantly as pure marketing expense as opposed to anything that's profitable for sailor. And I, I definitely agree with the, the distribution conversation. Like I think that's really where this is headed in in the long term. The only thing I don't know if that is how this is gonna go and they use pluses you know extensive worldwide operations to distribute pens differently how does that affect us as a consumer that's the part i haven't been able to solidify in my head does it help
0: us does it hurt us i i I don't know i i really don't know part number one is i want this company to exist yes so if this helps them do that awesome if it means they stop making as many limited editions i'm fine with that too uh I have lots of them. I always want more of them, but I i really, I just want them to keep making some pens, you know, like, and they will continue mm-hmm. to do limited editions, but not small batch, I would expect. Or they will significantly scale back the small batch. You know, like, mm-hmm. again, they were saying on the show about, like, a lot of these pens are just made because, like, an executive is friends with another executive or or his friends with a store owner. So yeah, they make traditional them a Japanese as a, business. Yeah. So they make a pen as a favor, but these large companies like plus typically don't work in these traditional Japanese ways anymore mm-hmm. where like you get to a certain point where you keep a lot of the respect and stuff like that, but that you maybe lose some of this, like doing some favors for a friend mm-hmm. because the company's just become too large to continue to scale that effort. You know? Yeah. Um, but, I would thoroughly expect to see them change that, or maybe the 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 other problem that they have is like they could keep doing all of these, but maybe they fix the Rialo problem, and that is is the kind of idea that fixes things so apparently sailors manufacturing is not that good, and yeah. for every realo that they make, they throw one away that's astonishing because to me. which is. A fifty percent yield. <laughs> stop making the pens. Right. Like, stop it. Like you know, I would assume they do. They don't have these problems across all of their lines. But if they have a pen line where they have a fifty percent yield on it, like after having made it for many years, yeah, you should probably stop doing that.
1: That's beyond unsustainable. Like I look back at some of the the knock stuff that we've done when we switch manufacturers and we let them on their own with our designs. And they made a bunch of products and we had like 20% waste. That was so outrageous. Jeff and I got on a plane and went to the factory until we could get it down to like 1% or 2% waste. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Because nobody builds 50% 50%. (laughs) waste into their margins. Because no one would buy your products if you did that, right? Yeah. So potentially there is a manufacturing issue across the entire lines. Who knows?
1: Who knows? Yeah. So... Up next for Sailor, like in the beginning of August, and this is through like their PR pages on on their site. And I did a bunch of Google translating trying to figure out some of this stuff. So their chorus relationship begins on August 3rd in Japan. So I don't know if we'll see anything impacting like some of the stores in Japan around that time. I don't know. Something to just kind of keep in the back of your head. But they wrote that they're going to move their entire sales operation into in in Japan under the chorus umbrella, which is under Plus, to strengthen sales, expand sales channels, improve efficiency, integrate logistics, anticipate growth, um, and that's going to be their move going forward. And I guess they're going to see how it goes from there.
0: This sounds like an end to previous supplier relationships, right? That's right. what that sounds like to me. Like, that they are no longer going to be using whatever sl- sales, logistics, uh, partners that they had. And they will just be carried in the catalog that Plus gives to its stores that it works yes. with.
1: So the Chorus catalog yep. will contain all of Plus's subsidiaries. So it'll be mm-hmm. Sailor alongside Apica, alongside whatever they call these, you know, security rollers. So and- if
0: you want to sell Sailor products, you need to be a Plus uh, supplier or, or s- store or whatever. You have to have a relationship with them now. Uh, in Japan... In Japan. Yes,
1: this is only in Japan right now. So it's certainly interesting to talk about. Like, it's not really what our show's about and, you know, figuring all this stuff out, but we're such Sailor fans and, you know, it doesn't affect us directly. If Sailor went away tomorrow, like, I would hate it. And I don't think it is by any stretch of the imagination. But I at least do wonder like the business sides of things always is always interesting to me.
0: This is why I was going to put out a call on this episode for the Tokyo Inklings podcast to continue doing stuff like this, because I do have a genuine personal interest in the machinations of big companies. Like I've always enjoyed that. It's one of the things that I love about covering technology is Mm -hmm. it's just what a big companies do. I find that stuff fascinating Mm -hmm. and I would love a consistent source of what are the Japanese pen companies up to, right? So, like, you have my vote to continue making content like that because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I wanted twice the content that that episode was. Like, I just wanted them to keep going.
1: Yeah, so Cy was funny, and Jacob at the at the end, they were like, "Go give it, leave us a message," but I want you to leave it on the website. And I was halfway through writing a tweet to, to Cy, and I deleted it. And I was like, "Fine, I'll go, I'll go post a message I on that their too, message board." But my thinking was, <laughs> <And I did. laughs>
0: "It's got to be more useful for me to say it on the Panatic podcast than to put it on their website." Is my thinking here? I did both, Mike. I did both. Come on. Well, you're a nicer guy than I am, Brad.
1: That's that's what. true. That is true. So yes, keep keep doing what you're doing. Keep. The, the interesting thing to me over all these years doing this is how many giant conglomerate type stationary companies they are that we have no idea what their business is, right? I see yeah. Kikuyo as a notebook maker when they're actually probably one of the bigger companies in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like those things don't really add up to, well, yeah, to it, it, what like, we see.
0: Reminds me of the car companies, right? Mm-hmm. That like Ferrari is owned by Fiat, which doesn't make right. sense, right? Like, right, if right. you don't know enough about cars, you're like, well, but Ferrari is supercars and Fiat's are right. these little cars. Right. How is this possible, right? Because like, you know, or like, uh, is Volkswagen to own Bugatti, mm-hmm. right? And yep. it's just like, how <laughs> is this possible, right? But yep. that it's just, it's making the nice expensive stuff doesn't necessarily mean that you make a lot of money, Right, like there are margins, and you know, just because Sailor appear to be a very well respected, reasonably priced to very expensive priced fountain pen company, doesn't mean that they are more profitable than your than office supply company B that you've never heard of.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, last point before we move on with the rest of the show. Can you think of an anything in our world? that would cause us to do an emergency podcast like they did.
0: No. Agreed. (laughs) We would always wait for the next episode. Yeah. Right? Like, we would always wait. Um, Well, it's not that. I just don't know that, like, number one,
1: we can't run a topic like they ran a topic for this particular thing, right? Like, that wouldn't... Like, Sailor Pilot and Platinum in Japan don't have, like... We don't have the view into them necessarily, being in England and being in the U.S. Like what companies are that we follow. It doesn't have to be, you know, obviously a regional company. It doesn't it could be
0: worldwide. But is can there I just anything? provide an element of follow up real quick? Fiat yeah. used to own Ferrari, but I think it's been spun out as its own independent company now, of which Fiat owns a large portion. But my gotcha. point still stands. Same, but I just wanted thing. to try yeah. and save the follow up. Yeah. So, but yes, I'm agree- I'm I, completely I was, in
1: agreement with you. Yeah, I was I, thinking emergency podcast is like, you know, I mean, we, we were sad about Retro 51, but like... Uh, we, that I'm is the closest.
0: <laughs> that's the closest, but we just waited.
1: Yeah, but that's not like, I feel like that's even a, that's such a smaller brand compared to something like Sailor that has a worldwide footprint. Right, hold. but
0: I mean, it's not about the size. It's like that our personal relationship with Retro 51 made yeah. it of high importance... Yeah, but yeah. no, I don't think that there's anything that would would warrant an emergency episode of the Pan Addict.
1: Yeah, yeah. So good job, Jacob and Cy. Keep doing it, and uh, we want to hear more. So definitely, was please. Awesome.
0: Even if you've listened to us discuss all this to this point, go and listen to that episode because there's yep. more detail in there, and they do a better job of explaining it than than us two numbskulls probably did. Totally, totally agree with that. Alright, today's episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middle people manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. Harry's blades are a fraction of the price of, price of the leading brands and saving you hundreds of dollars over time. Harry's can help you save so much money that if you switch, you could save enough money every year to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York, or three deep-dish pizzas in Chicago, or even pay for six months of a Netflix subscription. Harry's is super convenient. Their blade refills are d- uh, delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and they have all of your grooming needs covered in one stop because you can get blades, hair care products, and shower products all over on harrys.com. And just like their blades, they're committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. What do you got to tell me, Brad?
1: I did a bad thing this morning, Mike. I oh, forgot nice. to shave. I forgot mm. to shave in the past in the past that would be an issue but with harry's blades and blades quality even if it's not the blade right out of the, of the box i know that tomorrow even though i'm a day later um, in my shaving routine that harry's is going to give me a nice smooth shave where in the past with other brands i'd be kind of cringing knowing that i'm gonna have to get this little extra stubble and i don't know how these blades are going to work but harry's just knocks that stuff right out even though i was upset i forgot to shave this morning i know tomorrow Tomorrow, Harry's is going to make it okay.
0: Right now, PenAddict listeners, we've got a great deal for you. Uh, you can uh, go right now and redeem your trial set at Harrys.com/PenAddict, and you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with lubricate trimming. uh, lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. And you can feel better about your purchases at Harry's because 1% of proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping people uh, get better access to mental health care for men and veterans. And to also help those who need it the most, Harry's is donating $1 million worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the U S right now, which is fantastic mm. go to harrys.com slash pen addict to start shaving and saving today our thanks to harrys for their support of this show and relay fm all
1: right mike let's hit a few Ask tpas before we get out of here today and i'm gonna read this first question okay because because i want you to answer it because Uh-oh. you know the answer and you know why it's the answer so this is from aj gaming what ink best matches the purple pilot metropolitan
0: Oh, uh Pilot's Purple Ink. Pilot's Purple, yep. yep. And why? It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it's in cartridges, which oh, I think yes, is. Sorry. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. key for the Metropolitan. So I'm assuming that AJ Gaming, since they mentioned the purple pilot metropolitan, that they're wanting a purple ink. Is that how you would take this?
0: Um, I mean I don't
1: have to want it, but that's what I would recommend. Yeah, Pilot's Purple Ink is great. If you want another purple, Cross Violet is a very good purple. Um, make sure you have a converter for that. Um, and if you want something besides purple, tweet at me and I'll I'll help you pick a pick out a new ink. All right, yeah. Because these it from these here.
0: are the cartridges that I use and have used for a long, 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 long time in yeah. my uh, M ninety. So
1: yeah, and it, it's a good solid middle of the range, bright but not overly so purple.
0: Yeah. I really love it. It's a great color. Mm-hmm. Like I've been a big fan of it for years. So, so big, big, uh, big thumbs up here. All right. So next up, question comes from JS Carp, who asks: Is there a way to remove a hair that is stuck between the tines of a fountain pen without removing all of the ink from the pen and flushing it, or otherwise making an inky mess? A <laughs> fountain pen slash cat owner is curious to know. Curious. <laughs> Are you curious or do you have an immediate issue that you need to resolve? <laughs> I felt immediate so
1: I replied on Twitter already, but I wanted to leave this in here for people to order a brass shim the next time they place an order from a pen retailer, many of them who carry repair type of goods or just like fountain pen maintenance type of goods carry these little brass sheets. And I keep one on my desk for this exact reason, not because of necessarily the hair, but the paper fibers get stuck sometimes in the nib of your pen. And you can, you know, you spread the tines out on your fingernail and kind of, you know, get it out that way or, you know, do something. But the the brass shim is very thin and it slides. You put it like in the little keyhole of the nib and slide it towards the tip and it cleans it out and then you're good to go so i bet uh, you could get a
0: wicked paper cut on one of those
1: yeah like so yeah you have to be a little bit careful and you know you as you use them you like trim up the edges to keep them sharp and things like that so yeah (laughs) it's it's it sits away from my hands and uh but i I don't know they're so soft and flexible it's it's not Eh. it's not as it's very flimsy I mean, so I've it's gotten
0: it's tough, like bad paper cuts on tin foil. So, yeah, I wouldn't okay. trust myself with one of those. What I was gonna, you have a much better suggestion because mine was mm. gonna be like, you want to get one of those loops, you know, like the is it called a loop, mm-hmm. the little magnifying yeah. thing, right. and a set of tweezers, and like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really go at it. But that's a terrible idea compared to yours. Yeah. But just be careful, I guess.
1: And to be perfectly honest, with your pen inked up and you have something stuck in the nib, go stick it under the faucet and just kind of spread the tines, flush it out, and then stick your nib in a paper towel, let the ink run back normal again, run the water out again. I mean, it's a tiny bit wasteful and a tiny bit annoying, but I wouldn't hesitate if I was still interested in using the pen and the ink to stick the current nib under the water, flush it out, and then just keep writing with it until the water dries out of it. I don't think that's a big deal at all.
0: That is a good. That's a very good call. Like it's yeah. not going to harm it. No, you're just going to have right?
1: you're just going to have water in yeah. the flow, but you just stick a paper towel on the nib and let it suck through some more of the ink to flush the water out and you're back to writing in no time.
0: Uh, that was this something kind of funny in that for me, which is like the incy wincy spider, you know? You know that mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like the when you just said like and um, like flush the water out It just i don't know yes. something about it to me like <laughs> the tiny, it, i will tiny not sing that for lid. you because
1: i will i will mess it up but yes there is there is something there
0: e castillo 33 asks which pen refills can be used in spoke pens and i will add an addendum to like what do you think are the best ones because i know there's lots that could fit but what would you recommend as the best ones
1: There's really not lots that could fit, which was the reason why we built it, right? We built it for the Uniball Signo DX refill, which is the UMR-1 in the 05 size, which is 05 And obviously, you think that's
0: the best because that's what you built the pen around.
1: Yeah, and we did that because there's not a lot of other pens that fit that refill naturally, right? It's -hmm. a a particularly sized and designed refill. That said... Through our testing, we did find a couple of other ones that would fit in there. So two of the two of the three other ones are the UMR eight series, which is for the Signo 207-307s, which you find on the store shelves a lot. The Uniball SXR, which are the long jet stream ballpoint refills. Not the SXR six hundred series, but the SXR like seven, oh seven, I think is like the seven millimeter. The one Uniball that fits that um, the one non uniball refill that fits is the Pentel LR series, which are the Energel RTX refills. So we purposefully designed this pen to use with the Signo DX refill. It just so happens that a couple other ones do, but right. I would be perfectly happy if you never used another refill with this because this is what it is
0: designed for. Uh, via Martin, I have a couple of questions. Please explain the differences between the terms shimmer, sheen, and shading when it comes to ink. All right. I so, can do one I can do one of them. Maybe two of them. Yeah. Shimmer would be all. I guess if there's some kind of element inside of the ink which creates a glittery effect, right?
1: Yeah, a physical particle. Yeah. Will be in a shimmer ink. You know, yep. think of a gold dust like you have a red ink with a gold shimmer. It mm-hmm. means there is a literal particle in there that when you write
0: on the page will then show up in that ink color. Yeah, and these are typically can be the more dangerous two pens. because eh. the. I mean, again, depends what you're buying for, depends what pen you're using. It's gotten a lot better in recent times. but You have
1: to, as I always say, I don't think they're more dangerous. You have to be more considerate of what you're doing.
0: I think that's two, two ways of saying the same thing, but yes, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you have to be more considerate because it's exactly the same, sure. Uh, sheen <laughs> is when they're say you have a blue ink, when it dries, it also could carry a different color inside of it. So like you have, we, you may have heard us mention the ink, the Robert Oster fire and ice in the past, because it is a blue ink that when it dries, has a little red uh, red in it. It's like, we call it a sheen because it looks like it kind of lifts off the page and creates a, a an interesting effect. Like if you were looking at metal that carried a different color in it. So a sheen could be like a secondary color that appears uh, when the ink dries, which is yeah. super cool.
1: And I think the key with sheen is it's generally on top of the ink, right? Mm-hmm. It's the top level mm-hmm. of the ink when it dries on a page. Not all inks have sheen. Some inks have extreme sheen. So you mm-hmm. could get a let you could be writing your letters, say like with Mike saying with a blue ink, and if you have an ink that has a little bit of sheen, the edge of the line might show up red, where if you get a sheening ink that is marketed as such, when you write your line, the entire line when it dries will practically be coated in this sheen, you know. I call it like 90% coverage sometimes when I'm reviewing these sheen inks. Like, you lose some of the blue underneath because it has this red that you can see at different angles on the ink line.
0: And shading is just a similarish kind of result, but in the same color. So you may have like an orange ink that maybe around the edges of the line gets a little darker when it dries. Is that fair to say?
1: So yeah, shading you see within the ink color when it dries yep. as opposed to like on top. So the best yep. way to kind of explain shading is that like the Huff-Guardier-Groen, the green ink that we like from Ackermann so much, number 28, it's a yellowish green ink. And when you use a nib, shading is a very nib-particular and paper-particular sometimes. A lot of these things are. And when you're writing with it, when you're writing with any fountain pen nibs, they take a steel nib, it's spreading the ink on the page, right? So when you start a line, you're actually dragging the ink downwards. So the line where you started has less ink than where you stopped because that's where you drug the ink to. So the shading is the difference in color between the top portions of that line and the bottom portions of that line. Usually, so the top portion of that line will be lighter and the bottom portion will be darker. Um, I think shading is my favorite feature. It's the prettiest on a page when you get a really good shading ink and a shading pen uh, nib. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: I think we did a good job of answering those. And then a uh, secondary question. Yeah,
1: because question. we're not going to do a good job on this one.
0: <laughs> awesome. Please explain the differences in paper. Weights, GSM, coated, non-coated, acid-free, and their relationships to absorbance and which might work best in planners and calendars. All right, so I want to say one thing. Weight <laughs> and GSM, my understanding is it's exactly the same. Like they they are interchangeable terms, right? The GSM is is the the actual size, like the 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 you might you get like a 100 GSM. That is a paper weight. That is a weight of paper, which is a thickness of the paper.
1: Is that fair? Right. It's fair and people just translate them differently. You it's can the same convert term. So yeah, it's generally the same term, but I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, a U.S. uses pounds, like weight. You know, like you see sixty-pound paper, where that GSM is, it, you can convert that into like eighty GSM paper. So GSM, I believe, is grams per square meter, which is yep. a density. It's a dens- density measurement, right? So the higher the grams per square meter, the thicker the paper is, the more dense the paper is, and Without context, you can't really tell anything about the paper. If you just have the GSM, you can say, oh, it's thick, but how is it going to work with pens? Well, that's when you need all of this other stuff that you mentioned is the paper coated. How is it finished? Um, acid-free, we don't really get into these days. Um, a lot, Most notebooks are made acid-free. You just have to research and see if that's a, a, a good thing for how you want to write. But coded and non-coded... Let's take those because those are what we run into the most in our world related to the previous ink conversation that we had. So a coated paper, it feels smoother on the top, almost like um, almost like it's glossy, but you can't really see it. You can just kind of feel it. So what that does is allows the ink, to sit up on the page and not soak into the fibers as much. That could be a good thing, or it could be a bad thing. If you need the paper to dry quickly, like Mike being left-handed and doesn't want to drag his hand on ink that hasn't dried yet, a coated paper like Rhodia, Rhodia is the most popular example of a coated type paper, the dry time for the same pen and ink on that page is going to be longer then on a non-coated page the example i always use for that is voice term the that's one like pros and cons the other pros and cons is since the ink does sit up on a coated paper more you're going to see more of the sheen and probably more of the shading yep because the ink doesn't go straight into the page fibers like it would on a non-coated page. So you get a fast dry time with non-coated page, but if I use the same hofquarter growing that I was talking about for shading, it's going to look different on a coated page. It's going to be lighter colored and more shaded where on the non-coated paper it's going to be less shading and darker because it soaks into the page more. And that's not a bad thing either because like it's marginal. Like these are tiny tiny differences. I always use Leuch term because it handles that well. The the ink does not get into the fibers, and you have these little fiber runners of ink, or it does not bleed through to the next page, right? Non-coated can be good, so that's kind of the main thing as far as what yeah. works best in planners calendars. That's up to you. That I, like, I, can't, I would you say, can't say best
0: as as a person who needs to make these decisions, like you, mm-hmm. in my products that I would make, I would go non-coated because. Mm-hmm. A coated paper can give you um, a better result depending on what you're looking for. Like we talk about Tomoe River paper, which mm-hmm. is a incredible paper, but it's a coated paper. But it, even though one of the most popular journal products is made out of Tomoe River paper, the Hobonichi journals, mm-hmm. I think that it is not a good choice to make in most instances. Because you are making things more difficult for people in certain ways, I feel, right? When, like, yeah, you got to consider dry time and smudging, um, which is why I, in the product that I have made so far, went with a non coated paper and Mm -hmm. will plan to continue to do so. Because, like, the theme system journal, like, I'm selling that to a wider audience than, like, the pan addict listeners. Mm -hmm. So I would want to be able to give them a paper with properties that I think most people would look for. Uh, But at the same time, I do all my testing with fountain pens. So if the ink is getting into the fibers and spidering, I'm not going to use that, right? So like I find like what I think is like a happy medium between the two.
1: Yeah, and to elaborate on that, I think a lot of the Japanese brands hit that happy medium. That's why I tend to use Apica, Kakuyo, Moromon, mm-hmm. Midori, Life—they're kind of all the best of both worlds, in far as far as ink characteristics and dry time and quality, right? So that's uh, kind of what Mike's alluding to there. So you can kind of get that that good middle ground, but it, it's it's going to really depend on your writing, the type of pens you use. Like so many little tiny things matter about when you're using paper that um that it's an entire show like and I think we've done entire shows on on paper paper before so yeah it's it's good it's, it's great questions it's like these are questions like we need to explore from time to time because uh it's hard to learn all how all these little decisions make a huge difference in your writing
0: all right should we stop there for today let's wrap it up All right, if you want to find our show notes for this episode, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 417. I want to thank Pen Chalet and Harry's for their support of this week's episode. And, of course, thank you for listening. If you want to find Brad online, go to penaddict.com and knock.co. Uh, Brad is at dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M on Twitter and penaddict on Instagram. And you can hang out with Brad on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash penaddict. You can find me online. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. The Penaddict is a part of Relay FM. You can go to relay.fm slash shows where you can maybe find another new podcast to add to your rotation. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pen Addict, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad.
1: Goodbye, Brad.